Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. She punches the air and she crosses that blue finish line. The world champion of 12 months ago who finished second here last time around has won it. The athlete's village is not a place for fighting. I've never heard that ever in Olympic and Paralympic history. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm Michael. And I'm John. And coming up in this special bonus edition, Michael, can you have like a special Olympic edition when it's an Olympic podcast? Anyway, I'm not sure. Coming up, what happened at the Paris 2024 headquarters early on Tuesday morning, 400 days from the Olympics. And I catch up with the chef. Team GB's chef de mission in Poland to talk all things Paris qualification at the European Games. As ever, you can let us know what you think and get in touch anytime. Anything but F on Twitter, anything but footy on Insta and Facebook and check out our latest blogs on all things sport, audio and radio. It's anythingbutfooty.com and it is a big week to come. And it's all started in the early hours of the morning in Paris. A big day in Paris, host city of the next Summer Games. Police are raiding the headquarters of the organisers of the 2024 Olympic and Paralympic Games in Saint-Denis. So what do we know, John? Well, I was on a different Paris 2024 briefing this morning, Michael. A special one for English-speaking reporters ahead of the 400 days coming up later this week. And when it came to questions, the first question was in French. Now, I'm not a linguist, but I could tell that it was a serious question. And the reply from Paris 2024 came in English with the quote, so everybody on this call knows. And they confirmed the organising committee headquarters, as you said, in Saint-Denis, were being searched by police. Now, I literally nearly fell off my chair. I I was like, whoa, this is a stop what you're doing moment. I can't say I listened to the rest of the questions on the media conference at that stage. And 
contacted you, started going on social media, contacted the press office. And they came back quite quickly and said, yep, here's the quote. A police search is currently underway at the headquarters of the organising committee. Paris 2024 is cooperating fully with investigators to facilitate their investigations. Now, Reuters started reporting the search was ordered by the French National Financial Prosecutor's Office. And CNN then picked it up and said that two raids were being held for preliminary investigations into financial improprieties with contracts and public funds and other sites raided included Solideo, the public body responsible for a lot of construction and infrastructure around the Paris 2024 Games. Now, the raid came as the International Olympic Committee Executive Board meeting were in uh, session today and tomorrow, and an IOC spokesman said they were aware of what was going on. So then we managed to get to speak to Olympic Games Executive Director Christophe Duby, who was speaking to the media, and he says organisers in Paris are fully cooperating. Ongoing, no comments to be made at this stage, but again, reassurance provided uh, by Paris that the only attitude that that, uh, one has to have in such circumstances, which is uh, full collaboration and transparency, was ensured by Paris 2024. We also then got a statement a little later after he had spoken, Michael, from the organisers of Paris 2024, saying a little bit more than what they'd originally said. And what they really wanted to highlight was that Paris is certainly one of the most audited organisations in France. The audit conducted by the French Anti-Corruption Agency and five audits in addition to the continued monitoring of our governance structures have not raised the slightest wrongdoing. So, look, the IOC are dealing with the fallout of a corruption scandal involving Tokyo 2020. And as we say, the Olympics is 400 days away. Only last week we talked about everything being on time. So a slight curveball and surely further questions the integrity of Olympic sport and organisers, which over the years has been in headlines for all the wrong reasons. So I'm not sure we've heard the last of this. We spoke too soon, didn't we, on the last podcast when we said that the likes of Paris and Los Angeles are safe bets, They're games that the IOC can be relaxed about after all the trials and tribulations of delivering Rio and then everything that we know that has gone on, not just with the delay, but as you say there, with the fallout from the Tokyo game. So mm. I'm sure this story isn't going to be over soon. We'll keep you right across it here on Anything But Footy. Let's turn our attention to the third European Games taking place in Poland. Uh, Krakow is staging the biggest ever sporting event to be held in the country. It's opening ceremony day today. I love an opening ceremony. <laughs> I'll be hoping to catch some of this one later. Here is the history of Poland through the medium of mime, something <laughs> like that. Uh, 25 host venues, 50 countries, 6,500 athletes, 18 Olympic sports, and 10 of those will see athletes directly qualify from the European Games to the Olympic Games in Paris 2024. Now, we keep calling it the Mini Olympics, but from a Team GB point of view, there is a lot at stake. Direct quota spots, as Michael said, available in archery, artistic swimming, boxing, breaking, canoe slalom, diving, modern pentathlon, shooting and table tennis. Some Olympic champions are in action from Britain and many more wannabes eyeing a place in Paris. So before the sport gets underway, Michael's been catching up with the man in charge of the 177 Team GB athletes and the support staff. My name's Paul Ford. I am chef de mission for Team GB at the Krakow 2023 European Games. Third time that we've had a European Games. Give it the big sell then. Why should we be interested in this event? 
Um, yeah, third and really exciting. I mean, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, the first of which, um, it's our biggest team we've taken to a European game state. Our British athletes taking on the best in Europe. Uh, looking ahead crucially to next summer in Paris, but to really put a benchmark down. So the games is offering us uh, three really important things, one of which is that where we're sitting uh, continental-wise versus the op opposition. The big thing we say to all the athletes when they arrive is the field of play um, is exactly the same. doesn't change at all. But what is different is the size and scale of the event of what it is uh, in terms of all the sports coming together under one banner of the European Games. Uh, across all the, all, all the nations taking part. The big change we've had for this version of it uh, versus what we've had previously, whilst there has been some Olympic qualification before, but crucially for 16 of those four disciplines, it does affect Paris qualification. So that's the vast majority of the team. Ten of them, as an example, it's an opportunity of getting direct quota places for the game. So in terms of the importance of it for them on their journey over the next 12 months, uh, whilst it might not be their own selections necessarily straight away, it's gaining their sport that ticket uh, to get to Paris. And is that the main focus? Is that the importance qualification for Paris? Or do you have yourself a, a medal target that you want to bring back from Poland? Yeah, we don't have a medal per target per se because uh, a few of the sports, they've got world championships to go on to. So where it's sitting on the competition programme, it kind of is sport dependent on how it's working alongside other competitions that are arriving for. A good example, Taekwondo landing today. They're just back from a Grand Prix in Rome. They've had their world championships recently. So to keep on peaking out all the time, every time is really hard for them. But it's crucial ranking points for Paris, for the team. So, uh, yeah, so that's an example where they're, they're sitting at right there. Our focus and support, unashamedly, we're putting in from our side in terms of the actual headquarter team, is for the Paris qualifications where we can really give that best shot opportunity. It might only be one event for certain sports, uh, of which it has a meaning for. So diving is an example. That kickstarts in a few days' time. The 10-metre individual women, we're focusing our time and energy and effort is on how it affects Paris. But, but also, it's not just about getting that ticket to go to Paris. It's about being Paris-ready. So what's different of going to this Games uh, compared to going to a World Cup, Grand Prix, European Championships they might normally have? Very different in terms of sharing that space. It's not just a hotel. It, it's, a, it's a village of which it's got all the different nations under one roof. It really gives us that chance of actually desensitising, dare I say, to them some of those differences they get at Olympic Games. You touched on it there. We know that you're a details-driven, a data-driven organisation. So is that part of the detail and the data planning for Paris to bring some of these athletes into this environment and give them that experience? We're always trying to evolve, always trying to get stronger and better at how we support athletes. The athletes own their own performances on the field of play. That's without question. For every one of our sports, we've kind of asked the question, and what do you need? How can we best support you? How can we give you that performance edge opportunity over your rivals and competitors? So a good example is we've created inside the village the athlete space for uh, medical services, for recovery space, stretching spaces, how we create a team feel and how we create that environment overall as one, but giving them that service. We've done it outside the building partly for another reason. So when all the other competitors from the other nations come past us, there's a little bit of psychology there saying, this is what we're doing for our guys. This is what we're about. We're here to perform. We're ready for you. Uh, and so getting that marker in the sand is um, important for us. So, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time. Some of the other detail, an example, we're going to put the athletes on one side of the building. Where does the sunrise come up? Just think about light coming to the room, how it could affect sleep patterns. That's one thing we've been chatting through and working through them for. So it's all those little things outside of the 
on the direct uh, field of play, how we can give them that best cutting edge support. And as Chef de Mission then, give us a little overview of, of your job. What are the strange, odd things and requests that you might have to deal with over the next couple of weeks? Listen, firstly, it's a privilege to have the opportunity of doing it again. Um, you're, what you're hoping for is actually to have nothing to do. We've been out here for a week already. So when the athletes first arrive, they're kind of walking and they're like, oh, this is great. They've not seen it as we first received it. So it's a complete university dorm kind of set up here the main village in terms of creating the look and feel, making it feel like a GB. We call it our home away from home, how that happens. There's a whole team that take care of that and put that all together. So in an ideal world, everything's going to plan. You're kind of a bit surplus of requirements, dare I say, when it, when it's all underway and doing. But actually every support staff member, if they've got on the plane to come out here, they've got a job to do. And, and Krakow, is there a real good games feeling? Is there a big event feeling around the place? There is. I took a bit of time the other evening just to go into, into the main square area, and that's, there's a real buzz. Great branding up everywhere, as, as you would expect. And, and like in the last two previous versions of the European Games, um, it's been designed that way to be a real showcase of sport. Um, Poland is a, a massive sporting nation, massive sporting nation. So, uh, yeah, all the locals are really keen and excited to, to see what, what's out there and what, what's going on. The waiting's over now. We're just ready to get going. Just a couple of final questions. The first time we're going to see people in the sport of breaking representing Team GB and the first male artistic swimmer as well. So a couple of sort of big landmarks and glass ceilings smashed at this event. Yeah, absolutely. I had the pleasure of being down with the artistic swimming team yesterday. Actually, they're an hour outside of Krakow and went down there, did a team welcome for them. Just a room full of smiling faces. Few shining spaces. Um, qualification opportunity in, in, in the uh, in the duet itself, but in terms of that whole team, yeah, um, great for them. There's a, a change obviously in the international federation rule, uh, rules there, and um, yeah, absolutely embracing that. And, uh, they're excited to go there. And in terms of breaking, well, that, that comes in the middle of the week. Now, uh, B boys who are going to be going into action there. Um, again, Harry as an example, picked up European silver just. Uh, uh, not too long ago, within the last 12 months of the event we had held in the UK. So, uh, yeah, really excited. And that's the benefit of this, right? It's, it's showcasing in, and having new events in, uh, into the game. So looking to embrace that. And some big names, as we know, Olympic champions, the likes of uh, Jay Jones and Charlotte Worthington. But anyone else, any other sports that you think particularly people back at home should be looking out for over the next two weeks as far as Team GB is concerned? Yeah, we've had a, a good example. We've had a big transition in our boxing Boxing team, uh, all 13 boxers we've got out here, seven males, six females. They're all going to be new for Paris, uh, potentially. So a big transition there. Um, watch out for the super heavyweight, uh, Delicious Ulrey. Um, I spent time with him back in uh, Commonwealth Games last summer. Uh, so one, one to call out for there, um, as an example. Some new faces in the diving team for the Europeans as well. So always good to watch out there. And Rugby Sevens is interesting because obviously there's been that change in structure that the GB program's now more centralised to give that best opportunity. And this is, this is one of those landmarks on the way to Paris. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listen, it's 12 months, it's been only 12 months as a team, right? So in terms of their, in terms of their readiness, they're playing behind the game versus the other nations who have been playing together as one. Um, but crucially, as we, every match they're going forward, every competition they're going forward now, they're more established as a team. And, and all the work that's being done in the background there by Kieran, the team leader, and with the, the two captains there actually championing and shouting there loudly about that. They're in a really good shape. They've just spent the last few days out at Surrey Sports Park, as an example. No, the final training's gone really well. 
Well, all the very best to you and the rest of your team as well. We look forward to following your progress over the next fortnight. No, thanks for your time and thanks for championing us from afar. And we'll do our best to uh, bring some smiling faces home. Paul Ford talking to Michael. 11 days of action and good luck, of course, to all Team GB athletes. I thought it was interesting, Michael, where he said a successful games for him would be a quiet games in terms of <laughs> issues. I thought was a really good way of putting it. Uh, And talking of some last minute changes to the squad to let you know about one Williams out, another Williams in at British Taekwondo. 20 year old Chloe making her debut for Britain replaces Olympic Taekwondo silver medalist Lauren, who has a hamstring injury. We wish Lauren Williams all the best in recovering. And James Farndale and Femi Solararan also come in and complete the men's GB Rugby Sevens squad. So day one is on June the 22nd. BMX freestyle, artistic swimming, diving, sport climbing, shooting, all medals to win. Rugby 7 starts on Sunday. Canoe slalom right at the end of the games. There is much more on the team and athletes and ones to watch. Just head to teamgb.com. And just away from the European Games, big cycling event taking place in North Yorkshire, Redcar and Cleveland to be exact across the weekend. It is the National Road Racing Championships. That's the British National Road Racing Championships. The events include on Sunday, the big one, the road race. Then you've got the trials race on the Friday. And then later on today, as we record, which is the Wednesday, you've got the time trial as well. And I've been speaking uh, to one of those cyclists taking part in the event. Hi, my name is Pfeiffer, riding for Team DSM, and I'm really excited to be at the National Road Champs racing the TT and the road race. Yeah, how important are national championships, especially in this year where we've got this huge world event coming to Glasgow, and we're not too far away from an Olympic Games potentially as well? Yeah, nationals are one of the races I really look forward to. I think winning it in Lincoln is one of the highlights of my career, and getting to wear the bands is a real honour actually, so... Yeah, I'm always excited to race and yeah, again this year. And you must be proud when you get to wear that jersey for the 12 months after becoming a national champion. What's that like? Yeah, for me, it was only eight months because I won it in November. So I had a bit of a short period, but it was yeah really special. I think it definitely gave me a like, confidence boost over the winter training and lining up at every race with the bands. And yeah, it was just a nice boost and yeah, a real honour to wear them. Take us back then the last couple of years. Obviously, you've had some success at at national level as well. What's been your reflections on that? Yeah, I remember when I was a junior, I raced Tour de Yorkshire for the first time. That was kind of my first introduction to the World Tour racing. And that was, yeah, one of my favourite races. Um, I've done the Women's Tour a few times, always really hard racing and nice. Like I've had a few local stages, so it's always special. Like all my teammates love racing in the UK. All the crowds are amazing. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, obviously, we know that in this country, crowds will come out. What do you know about Redcar and Cleveland and what you've got to expect then this weekend? Yeah, my Airbnb host has told me that it's a pretty hard course, and I've seen that on Valavier as well. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting, really tough with the kind of short, steep climbs. Um, I'll do a recon later in the week, but I think, yeah, it'll be a really exciting road race, actually. Let's talk about the strength and depth then of British cycling at the moment. When you look down that start list, obviously, you know, you're on there. There's familiar names that people will know, like Katie Archibald, Eleanor Barker, Dame Sarah Story, a complete legend of your sport. How strong is is women's British cycling at the minute? Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. I think this is the most women's women riders in the World Tour we've had. Um, Yeah, it's really nice during the classics, the whole season, all World Tour events, just so many British riders 
being competitive and it feels like it's yeah the team's in a really good place so I think for nationals it's going to be yeah a pretty tough one and for you what kind of shape what kind of form are you in because we know a few years ago of course you probably uh, were thinking that this might not happen for you with a very serious injury yeah now I'm in a really good place I had I think my best classic season I've had and yeah a bit of a break after that and then kind of building up for the second part of the season with like the focus on nationals and the tour so I think I'm going good and we'll have to see this week <laughs> And obviously a lot of focus in your sport this year will be on, on Glasgow. Is that in your mind yet or is it one race at a time? And if it is in your mind, how unique will that event be bringing all of you guys together? Yeah, it's definitely in my mind. I think it's going to be really cool, kind of the first multi-event cycling world championships. Um, yeah, I'd love to be selected. And I think, again, the crowds there will be amazing. Pfeiffer Georgie speaking to me ahead of the time trial, which she'll be taking part in later. She'll also uh, be taking part in that road race across Redcar and Cleveland, uh, finishing in Saltburn on Sunday afternoon as well. Garrett Thomas is the, the big name, if you like, the big headline, the marquee act taking part in that event over the next five or six days. Looking forward to being there and following that and watching some live cycling. You know, I love to watch a road race. <laughs> uh, for much more, check out our sporting calendar. All our latest blogs are on the website as well. You can find that uh, at anythingbutfooty.com and as ever you can always get in touch anytime find us on twitter at anything but f it's where i get my olympic and paralympic news uh, john keeps me updated there you can find us on instagram on facebook as well just search for anything but footy so it's poland this summer not paris just yet the european games not quite the olympic games but it's going to be a good one for team gb Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.